Carl Wazinski here. You're listening to the Rising as One podcast. Um, all right, so let's, uh, let's move to, are we ready to do, um, well, actually we should cover team news before we preview the OKC energy match. Um, I think you guys are aware we got a couple guys in team of the week. Um, Ben Spencer with a brace gets a team of the week nod and Jose Aguinaga with a goal and two assists gets in there all in the second half, by the way unbelievable second half for Jose Aguinaga against Timbers 2 last Saturday. Uh, That was the first time that Rising had two players in the USL team of the week since week 17. So it's been a minute. Um, And uh, now with Ben Spencer's goal in this particular match, that's, he's got four goals in five matches. Uh, So, you know, a little, a lot of patience had to be felt by Spencer to get some playing time. But really, been making his uh, his presence known over the past couple of matches, and only one start yeah. in that stretch, I believe. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep, that is correct, and that's I mean, a consummate professional, and at such a young age, he's coming in and getting it done, and and really, you know, I'd love seeing both him and Adam John on the field at the same time. I think you know, it's it's you know a style of play that we have we don't play a lot with you know two big guys out there, but. I mean, we saw it on that one goal that we scored last night, John heading it to Spencer. Um, I think, you know, he's come up big, and we're going to need him when it comes to playoffs. There's no doubt about it. Um, Any other team news? I mean, there was the team ball, um, the award recipients. Aaron, do you want to run down the award winners from the rising ball? Yeah, let let me pull that up. Uh, I wouldn't say exactly team news, but news around the team. Uh, for those for those who may be under a rock, um, there was a great meeting of the minds in the past week between the leadership of the Red Fury and the Banditos, uh, which led to this being the first first game of unified chance uh, that we have had. So uh, definitely kudos to uh, to the leadership and thank you to those members for uh, uh, for participating in those unified chants. I will say it it gave the game a little bit of a different feel um, <clears throat> compared to prior matches. Ashley Oriana, the other the team photographer, and I were chatting, and she's like, you know, something. She says something seems a little different, and I said, yeah, it's the chanting. The chanting is unified. So, um, you know, we can have a debate and a conversation uh, at a different time of of whether or not the, we like the chaos of the two different groups chanting or the unified piece. Uh, but it de- that I think that that is definitely a, a piece of news. Uh, that we should talk about. Did you guys have any thoughts, or what was your feel from this the supporter section there? I mean, I think it. You know, it's it's great. It's something that we've always talked about. You know, there's always been that little bit of of a divide amongst the supporters groups. Um, and I mean, just to be able to get together for the 90 minutes and be able to play, I think it, you know it makes our section that much louder. And as you said, it's a little bit more clear as to what's being chanted. One's not drowning out the other. Um, the one thing I will say that I noticed last night was, you know, there was still a good amount of people who either did not know the chance or were not participating um, in that middle area of the supporter section. But I think, you know, one thing that's going to help a lot and that a lot of people who, you know, maybe are not familiar with all the songs, um, 
I believe it's Thursday that they're rehearsing at the or as is it at the stadium that they're rehearsing? Do you guys know? So it's going to be October twenty fourth at six p.m. at Casino Arizona Field, which will be the day okay. before our playoff opener. If Correct. I'm not mistaken. So we'll have one more match on, on Friday, Dollar Beer Night, where uh, uh, things may may not be quite as loud as they are. But if you have a chance to, uh, come out on October 24th for a chant practice. And uh, we'll make sure that the first round of the playoffs uh, is unlike anything we've ever seen here. Yeah. And if I know, you know, these two supporters groups, there's definitely, you know, going to be a TFO planned. And, you know, there's going to be some coordination. So you're going to want to be there so you'll have an idea of what's going on 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 that first round of playoffs. So on Thursday, uh, this past Thursday, the 9th, uh, the 10th, uh, was the second annual Phoenix Rising Soccer Ball. Uh, the soccer ball is a, a, a charity event that's meant to um, uh, support underprivileged players in youth soccer. Uh, a lot of folks who are playing with the Phoenix Rising Youth Soccer League. Um, it was a great event. It wasn't, it was supposed to be dressy cocktail, but I decided to go full tux. Uh, my wife bought a nice dress. Uh, we sat at a table with the McPhersons, with Debbie Weiss, with uh, Clay Munson, and with the Shattucks. Um, joining us at the table was Dewey Mala, as well as Mustafa Dembuya and his very, uh, very beautiful uh, significant other. Uh, it was a really neat event. Um, they did have sort of two segments, right? They had the lower section, which was pricier seats, about 300 bucks a seat, somewhere around there. And the supporter section at $100 a seat. Uh, the lower section got open bar and a plate of dinner. Uh, the balcony section, which was not heavily attended, um, had a nice buffet and a cash bar. Um, it, it was a very, very nice event at Talking Stick, uh, the um, Casino, uh, Casino Arizona Talking Stick. Uh, people were dressed up absolutely fantastic. My wife looked absolutely gorgeous. Um, just a lot of fun. And we got there early because if it's open bar and I paid a bunch of money, I want to get the first drinks. Um, it was, and, it, and it just got packed and packed and packed. And when the players showed up, they were happy. I mean, uh, Amadou Dia enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed some wine. Um, I got to, to speak with um, Danny, who was AJ Cochran's uh, girlfriend. She just moved out here, uh, uh, got to work. So just everybody sort of being in the same place and having good conversation was fantastic. Had a really nice conversation with Elijah Paul, who could not partake in the open bar, uh, but was gracious. And boy, is he tall. Um, my jeans did not put me into, uh, into shape to be able to play, but... Uh, he, he found himself in the starting uh, the starting eleven down in Tucson, so we chatted about that a little bit. The accessibility of the players at this event is really, really fantastic, and everybody's in a great mood. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was really fantastic. This this is also doubles as the player awards. Uh, Young player of the year went to uh, Junior Flemings, the Golden Boot. Not a big surprise, is tw with 22 goals in 30 matches, is Solomon Asante. Newcomer of the year was Adam John. Uh, that that was probably the biggest question about who would get that. Mustafa Dumbuya was in there. Junior Flemings was in there. Uh, but John ultimately was the newcomer of the year. Goal of the season was Asante's goal on, on our home field at Casino Arizona Field. 
where he was about, I don't know, I want to say three quarters of the way up the field. He was like and, 35 uh, to 40 yards. Over, yeah, put the ball over the keeper's head into the goal was really awesome. Uh, Defender of the year, Amadou Dia, um, who was who gave, gave a great little great little speech, uh, talked about playing as a team, that, that they're taught to play as a team, defend as a team, um, and of course had to give a little jab to my table mate Mustafa Demboya uh, to say that this proves that the, the left side is better than the right side. Uh, so we all got a little laugh out of that. Uh, Rising in the Community Award, that had to do with uh, somebody who was uh, really dedicated to community engagement. That went to Joey Calistri. Um, and, uh, of course, the Fans' Choice Most Valuable Player goes to Solomon Asante as well. Um, they debuted a couple new awards that were player that were given by the players, so the players actually voted on this. Uh, the first was the 91st Minute Award, and this this was the the uh, like the hardest working off of the field uh, kind of guy, the guy who spends the most time in the film room, uh, who who's the last you know first on the field, last off. That and that went to Amadou Dia uh, as chosen by his teammates. Um, the Players Player Award. Uh, which I guess you know would be like the MVP as voted by his teammates uh, was of course Solomon Asante as well and unanimously right yeah oh yes that's right and it was a it, it was completely unanimous by all of his teammates so you can see a couple pictures that I took with my uh, with my Samsung S9 I did not bring the full camera you can see a couple of those on Twitter at Firebird site uh, the Firebird Soccer Twitter account. Um, as well as just anything, if you just search for hashtag soccer ball, you might be able to see see a little bit more. But it was a really great event. Uh, it was kind of cool to see everybody. Uh, it was emceed by Tyler and Devin, so it was great to see them up uh, up in front and in, in person. Um, and the auction items were pretty cool, the way that they did the auction. They had about six items for, that were for live auction. One was a private jet trip to either uh, San Diego or Las Vegas match for next season. So I'm assuming it's one of the owner's private jets uh, get put up in a hotel room. I think that went for $11,000. Uh, they had two Phoenix Rising branded like electric sit-down scooters um, that were, uh, they they pulled, they kind of pulled some crap there because they said, here, this is the one that we're auctioning and the bidding got up to $7,000. And they said, well, actually we have two of them. So then they went to the second bidder and said, "Hey, if you'll go to seven thousand, then you'll each get one." So those electric scooters went for like seven thousand um, dollars. Seven thousand, right? <laughs> seven thousand dollars for the sit-down electric scooter. Yeah. So there, there was some big, there was some money, there was some money going around. Uh, let's say the open bar probably opened some. <laughs> it was not. You know, I, I give some money, of course, but um, uh, not anywhere close to that. Well, uh, I mean, thanks for sharing your experience from the from the event. Did you have any thoughts or takeaways from it? I mean, it sounded like a blast. Yeah, you know, I I would love to see some some more folks. I I know the price is up there, um, but of course, you know, me being the sort of community engagement guy, um, I I was. I'll just say that I was a little disappointed. I thought that we'd see some more people up in the supporter section. Yeah, I, I know that it's 100 bucks a ticket. That's where a lot of the tickets, the Phoenix Rising staff was. They were up there. Um, 
but the food was good. The company was good. Um, maybe uh, if if they get some feedback to say, hey, put that price point at sixty bucks a ticket, and and more people would go. Maybe eighty. It's eighty dollars a ticket. I I'm not sure what the price point for the supporters section for this event would be, uh, but I. Look, they've improved from last year. Last year, it was invite only. So there were only maybe a half dozen folks, real supporters, real supporters uh, that got to go. Maybe maybe it was 10 real supporters that got to go. Um, and they didn't bring their, their employees hardly at all either. So it was very exclusive, very big wig event. Here they're trying to expand it out, make it a little bit more accessible in their second year. Hopefully in the third year we can get that price point so uh, you know so that guys like Dominic and Kyle and um, you know other people who are really dedicated supporters of this team don't feel like they're they're having to go uh, go too deep into debt in order to show support for Valley Youth Soccer. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's, an, that's an interesting point. What were your thoughts, Kyle? I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, it was a little bit bit the dollars, but also uh, just being on a Thursday night. It's not for me. I work early in the morning. Um, going to an open bar is not ideal for me, you know, coming in on <laughs> Friday morning and being productive. So, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, had this been Friday or Saturday night, um, I would have been much more likely to jump on it. But, I mean, you know, when you look at our schedule and how it played out, it had to be on the Thursday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as you said, they will improve if we know anything about Sam Dor and the entire front office. You know, they're constantly evolving into something greater. And, you know, this will be another event that I'm sure, you know, this year they, you know, did probably, as you said, Aaron, didn't have the turnout that they had anticipated. And I'm sure they'll adjust and, and make sure that, you know, uh, there's a great attendance next year. Hint, hint. It would be a real shame if this event happened on a Saturday night after a Friday night dollar beer night. <laughs> it would be a real yeah, shame if yeah. that happened. If there was an open bar on a Saturday night, the night after the players got to play, so they don't have to worry about having a little bit of fun themselves before a match day. Just so, just a little heads up, just a thought. I think a lot more people would be interested in going on a Saturday night too. Well, it was really funny because coach had to remind the players a couple times, like, guys, you have training tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, uh, <laughs> hot seat, uh, whoever organized it on a Thursday night before a Saturday match. Yeah, yeah, that too. I'm with you there, absolutely. I mean, Let's, uh, it, why blame the ref when you can just point the finger within, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I'm really glad that you did go and were able to, you know, give us the breakdown, Aaron, because, um, I, you know, from what I saw on, on Twitter, it looked like a great time. And like I said, I would I would love to attend in the future. I mean, especially, you know, it, it's easier when you got to pay, you know, a higher premium, but it's it's going to a good cause. I, I think a lot of people, you know, they're they're able to uh, to, you know, break a little bit of their bank for that. It's always great to be able to put your money where your passion is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, th we all love this club and everything that they're involved in. So, you know, it, it is something that I think people can justify. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, at this time, we really should get to uh, previewing next week's match against Oklahoma City Energy. Don't need to spend a ton of time on it, but we do need to get to it. It is a big match, um, at least for the single-season points record. 
I would imagine with us losing the match yesterday, we are still going to play a lot of our starters. I, I know that that record means a lot to the players, to the coaching staff. Amadou Dia mentioned it when he was talking about what the team was trying to accomplish down the stretch this season before the New Mexico match. And so you know it's not just something that the fans care about, but definitely the players and the coaches are trying to leave a legacy that other clubs will look at and say, that's what we need to try to emulate. Um, it's also just really, really fun when we break FC Cincinnati's records. And so this is the one that still needs to be taken down by us this year. And the good news is OKC Energy has been poor uh, really since June of this season. Um, they've just had a real struggle scoring goals. They'll have the occasional match here and there, but their playoff hopes are done, and they really have been just a poor squad down the stretch. Um, you look at their last five matches. They lose at Orange County 2-0. They lose at Los Dos 5-1. Home draw with Sac Republic. Away loss 3-1 at San Antonio. Um, home loss to New Mexico 3-1. Uh, OKC hasn't won a match since August 24th. Um, they have not won an away match since August 16th against Timbers 2. And they had been in real poor form even before that. So um, this is an OKC team that definitely um, is not not playing their best ball down the stretch. And, you know, it's an away match to close out the season. It's a, you know, there's no real meaning to it for them. Um, so I, I would expect us to get a win here. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm with you. And actually, I mean, I'm looking right now. They actually play their their match. Actually, should have just kicked off against RGV. So you know they're going to have a short rest too, playing on Sunday and having to play travel and play again on Friday. Um, I mean, yeah. I, this is a game, as you said, they really have nothing to play for. But I, I mean, I still would expect you know a good effort from these guys. They still have players on this team who are professionals and will compete. But um. I mean, Phoenix, you know, like you said, they'll be pushing for that points record, and it's absolutely something that this entire team is aware of. And I think, like you said, they, they want to set that bar. They want to, you know, be the best team in USL history. And, um, you know, this is just another another step to getting there. Sorry, guys. Oh, no, uh, you're good. I don't I, I don't know if anyone's a Cardinals fan, but Matt Bryant just missed the field goal with a minute 53 left, or the extra point. It's 34-33 right now. No <laughs> way. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> that's that's so funny. I actually had that on mute um, the last, like, 15 minutes once I saw it was a close game in the fourth quarter. But my stream's yep. a little behind because I'm watching it. it on the app. And so I just saw Freeman running with the touchdown. That is so funny. <laughs> I just saw it now. <laughs> oh man. All right, back to back to the real football. Yes. The the global game. <laughs> uh what did I what did I miss on your guys' discussion of OKC? Um I I mean I I I just think, you know, this match 
OKC, like you said, they have nothing to play for. I mean, we're, we have everything. They have nothing. We're going for that points record. For me, the you know, the biggest question is going to be the lineup. I do think we see a lot of regulars. Um, I mean, these guys, you know, they're in great form right now and great fitness. They, they Even if they start, you know, and play only 60 minutes, they should be fine for playoffs the next week. I think ultimately it's going to come down to, you know, do we see some rotation in defense? Um, but other than that, I think, you know, we're going to see a strong team. And it's dollar beer night. So, I mean, we, we know what's going to happen, and, and there's going to be goals. And uh, I just expect to be crazy. I Really, I think this is just going to be the pregame for playoffs. This is going to be, you know, the fans treat us to get ready, drink some treat cheap beer, and just, just enjoy this team um, and go for that points record. I really do think, like you said, they're going to go for it. I would hope and almost expect an early goal because um, I just don't see OKC, you know, being able to withstand all of our attacking or all of our attacking power. And did you say that they're are they playing right now, OKC? Yeah, yeah, they're playing RGV right now. It just kicked off at four o'clock. So I mean, they're going to be five days rest, not Is, even. Oh yeah, I see. Is Deshaun Brown in that in that lineup? Uh, let me pull it up. I could because or or did he get called up as, as well? Deshaun Brown is in the lineup today. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, on paper, it's a decent team. I mean, they have guys like Deshaun Brown, um, Omar Gordon, Asele, Cody Lorendi in goal, a fan favorite. Um, but it just it just hasn't worked out in practice for them this season. They just are terrible at having possession of the ball, um, and and really in creating a lot of chances. They only score goals on the counterattack. And lately, the counterattack has been failing them. I think other teams might have wisened up on that strategy and uh, made them have to beat them in other ways. I mean, last weekend at Orange County, they didn't get a single shot on target. I don't even think they put a single shot towards the goal. Um, so it's it's been a really rough run-in for them. Um, and yeah, short rest, and our guys are going to be totally fired up. I think this is going to be like a 4-0. I think this is our our uh, one last chance. I'd get your cars ready for that car wash on Saturday. I don't see a way where Oklahoma City is going to come in here and and take a result off of us. Yeah, they're winless since August 24th um, at 0-4-2, four losses, two draws. And, uh, you know, aside from what ha- may happen against RGV, um, who's always that's always unpredictable. Um, this should be a win. Absolutely, absolutely, it should be a win. And I mean, really, you know, I don't, I don't know. You're pretty confident, Dom, saying that we're able to get the shutout. I think it's it's absolutely possible. But um, really, I, I just I wonder how they're going to defend against us, how they're going to match up, because I just don't think they have the personnel to be able to, you know, play like Monarchs did last night and sit back 10 in the box and just repel our constant attacks and, and get lucky. Um, I just, I, I'm going to have a difficult time seeing that happen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, Rising's able to dominate. And, I mean, it's it's dollar beer night magic. We haven't had one in so long. The weather's beautiful now. I, ex- I expect this game to be, I mean, sold out probably by midweek. This game, you know, I think this is going to get a lot of people pumped. And, you know, if, if you have any friends who haven't been to a rising match, this is the match you want to get them to because when they try to get to playoffs, 
it's going to be hard to find a ticket. I'll tell you, it was hard. If you look at and see uh, this last match, I wonder if there's even tickets still available now. Um, I mean, it, it's pretty hot right now. Yeah, not yeah absolutely. Not, not not the temperature. I mean, I mean, we're you know because it's the final final regular season match. <laughs> this the supporter section is sold out. Last I saw. Yeah. So, and I mean, I, I, you know, once the supporter section sells, usually, you know, the end lines aren't far behind, and I'm sure there will be standing room only. But, but still, I expect it to be a great atmosphere. And I don't know how it's going to work in playoffs if we're going to be able to get, you know, a lot of the Friday night matches for more dollar beer night. But this could be the last one of the season. So, I mean, you absolutely have to show up for this. This is must see on a Friday night in Phoenix. I, I would agree. Um, I think had we won last week, this could have been a weirdly anticlimactic match. Um, but with us still needing the win to get the all-time points record, with it being Dollar Beer Night, with it being OKC, I don't, I don't see a way that this is even within, you know, like even within one goal in the last 15 minutes. I think Phoenix is going to have their way. Maybe Oklahoma City could steal a goal off of us. Maybe they could keep it to 2-0 for a bit, but I, I can't see a way that this is going to be anything but a Phoenix Rising win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, if, if you know, the results were different last night, this match, you know, doesn't have as much meaning and, you know, as much going on up to it. But, um, I mean, I think how it's going to play out, it, there's going to be a lot, a lot of hype. A lot of, you know, anticipation in, in these players, you know, they're going to want to go out there and get that win. Well, the listeners have persevered with us for a while now, so let's let's wrap this thing up with some Western Conference scores and standings. Um, and in the background, we see that the Cardinals just wrapped up a win with a, uh, a generous call to give them the first down there. So at least a couple of our local teams are winning, but... Um, let's look at some scores around the Western Conference. On Thursday, El Paso can only draw Austin Bold 1-1. Um, this is a big draw for Austin Bold and a huge opportunity missed for El Paso. Um, they had actually gone up in the 76th minute on a penalty. Uh, they were looking pretty good to win this match. But then Austin Bold, um, for whatever reason, that, that Copa Tejas just has not been El Paso's cup of tea this year. And Andre Lima gets a late draw there for Austin. Um, both teams on 47 points. It finishes 1-1. Wild match in Portland for the second straight week. Um, San Antonio gets out to a 4-1 lead in the first half. But then late goals from Gio Calixtro and Ryan Sirikowski make it a nerve-wracking finish. That doesn't sound familiar at all. But San Antonio hangs on. They get the 4-3 win. A humongous result for their playoff hopes. Anything less than three points would have been almost a fatal blow. Um, instead, they are firmly in the hunt. Yesterday, Tulsa, despite suffering a red card in this match in the 73rd minute, gets an improbable stoppage time winner from Janu Silva in the 96th minute. Um, our boy Tobena Uzo, uh, Uchena Uzo's younger brother, scored first for Tulsa. Devin Sandoval has been in great form. He was named USL Player of the Month for September. He equalized for New Mexico. But that New Mexico defense, you know, 
they just concede goals late in matches. It's been a real constant thing for them. Despite Tulsa going down a man in the 73rd, John Silva puts it in, and New Mexico inexplicably drops this match 2-1. to one. I mean, uh, this match, I mean, it's such an exciting match. You know, you talk, you brought up Uzo, and I mean, his goal, did you see that goal that he scores, that bicycle there? I mean, it, it's not the prettiest bicycle you'll see, but still, I mean, you know, knowing his brother, he didn't have the greatest finishing touch. He definitely inherited it in that family. And um, I, I mean, just absolutely, New Mexico once again letting up late and this really does put their playoffs you know in jeopardy they're still you know right there they have a match in hand on san antonio and you know la galaxy too as well but really right now they're in such a hole um then with you know two matches coming up and one midweek against the tacoma team who's really shown up as of late uh i mean this is this is going to be you know tense times for new mexico united just to squeeze into the playoffs and then they have to play midweek again. I mean, they're looking at three matches in uh, in you know the next, or no, it would be four matches in the next two weeks. And uh, for them, I mean, that would be that'd be a lot. We saw how an open cup run, you know, those uh, midweek matches caught up with them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's truly incredible. I think even two weeks ago, people could not have predicted that New Mexico would be in the mess that they're in right now. Mm-hmm going into a home match against RGV and then an away match at Tulsa to only get one point from those two matches is a absolute catastrophe. It is nothing less than a complete disaster and an absolute catastrophe. If I were a New Mexico fan, I would be shitting my pants twice a day every day until that (laughs) match on Wednesday because it's inexplicable that you only get one point from those two matches. Quite frankly, you don't deserve to be a playoff team if you only get one point from those two matches. They need to show a lot of people what they're capable of and quick because they have a home match against Tacoma who has suddenly been good and weirdly taking teams down. You know, they beat Fresno away 4-1. This weekend, they got a win over Colorado Springs 2-0. Um, this is not a Tacoma team that's just going to roll over. And then Saturday, they host Las Vegas Lights, who has kind of come on a little bit. I, I, what would happen like how would you react if New Mexico misses this thing yeah I mean it would just be a total implosion I mean like you said it, it's it's absolutely just under inability to close out games um, and work collectively I mean it, this this really it's it's crazy because this team that you know they were in first place at one point and we talked about them you know being one of the best teams in the west and um, they've really just shown, you know, that they've they've haven't been able to, you know, perform when they've needed to. And I mean, I mean, with these last two matches at home against Tacoma and Las Vegas, um, yeah, if they're not able to get it done and they do miss playoffs, I mean, it it really does say something that you know, for all the praise that you know Troy Lesane has gotten throughout the season, I mean, at the end of the season, he really has not been able to get this team, you know, firing on all cylinders. You want to you wanna know a fun stat that shows the power of narratives? Since the middle of May, Hartford Athletic has a significantly better um, point total and form than New Mexico United. Oh, God. <laughs> in that stretch, Hartford 
Um, I mean, they started the year winless, so all 26 of their points have come since the middle of May. New Mexico United at that point was on like 25 points or so. So since then, they haven't even gotten 20 points. You know, th- these last two matches for them is... When when we did the, the curse cast a couple weeks ago, you know, we're looking and, and saying, boy, you know, these guys got RGV, then Tulsa, then Tacoma, then Las Vegas. I mean, how much easier do you need of a schedule do you need to have uh, and at that point I think that they could still have climbed as high as maybe fifth if they would have won out they, they their highest potential was like at fifth um, and here we are um, tie against us or draw against us draw against RGV lose to Tulsa I mean t- Tacoma uh, so let's see Tacoma's at 27 points so they beat my 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 uh prognostication by seven points so far if they lose to Tulsa dude it doesn't matter who has the four corners cup who went to the open cup who is you know in a better stadium like they're sitting at home and like nothing else matters it's unbelievable what what's happened to them yeah yeah. It's like the Met, the Mets. Uh, the the Mets like ten years ago, total implosion. <laughs> they missed the playoff. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it would be one of those all-time implosions. But let's let's get to some other matches because there are other matches to talk about. Um, as fun as it is to marvel at New Mexico's collapse, there is still a lot to talk about in this league. Um, one thing that we don't have to talk about much: Tacoma gets a win over Colorado Springs, two nil. Um, the Silver State Showdown, Las Vegas Lights versus Reno, and it finished 2-0 to Reno. Reno has had Las Vegas number throughout this rivalry of theirs. Las Vegas has never won a match in that, uh, in that clash. An own goal sets the tone in the 35th minute from Javon Torre, and then, uh, Adul Qadir Haji, uh, scores in the 76th minute to make it 2-0. And a word is coming out of Vegas that I guess at least one fan threw a can of beer. You know, I'm surprised this didn't happen sooner, but uh, Vegas is one of us, truly. <laughs> yeah, I, gu- I guess they just want to emulate, you know, their big brother, Phoenix Rising, so much. Um, not only, you know, on the field, but also in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> So, and that, that match, I did not know that they've never beat Reno though. That is an. In- I mean, they've only been around stat. two years. That's, so I mean, not- that's they're just in their head. It's only been well, no, two years. But, but so. what? So they they played four times now. I guess that would be. So I guess yeah, that's not terrible. I mean, we've never beaten Fresno. Yeah. No, you're we, right. And Absolutely we may not. Right. And we may never have the chance. These are yeah. the facts. Um, <laughs> Speaking of Fresno, we got Fresno versus Los Dos. Very interesting match for playoff seeding. Fresno with a better effort than they have shown in recent weeks. Um, they go ahead in the 22nd, but Los Dos, as they've done all year, they answer. In the 30th minute, they equalize. Then Juan Pablo Caffa buries a penalty kick in the 85th minute. Fresno looking good to get a huge three points, stake their claim to the number two seed. But in stoppage time, Mo Camara equalizes for Los Dos. Big finish for them. 
finishes 2-2, and Los Dos actually had more shots and shots on target in this match. Los Dos, with that point, all but clinches a spot in the playoffs. Um, well, I, I, I take that back. There is a scenario where they could miss it, but it's a humongous point when you look at potential tiebreakers for the 10th spot. And, you know, if Los Dos does make the playoffs, I know that um, I know that their manager won't be coach of the year. There, there are people, I mean, even Shantz deserves it more. But I think that manager should be at least talked about as a potential finalist for coach of the year because what that team has done this year, especially since June, um, one of the more underrated impressive stories in USL. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, just looking, like you said, when you look at these rosters, I mean, you compare them to, you know, some of these other teams that are below the playoff line currently, um, you would not expect, you know, this team to be in the position they are. And, you know, so they have so many young kids coming in and out, and they really have gotten the results. Um, And, I mean, last night to come back and, you know, score late in Fresno, um, I mean, they they really, you know, they've they've been – I think they've justified their, you know, presence in this playoff race, and um, if they do make playoffs, they're going to be a fun team to watch. For sure. Um, I think one other match of note happened yesterday, and that is Sacramento Republic hosting Orange County. This match, another one that went back and forth. Cami Wasa with a brace for Sac Republic puts them ahead in the sixth minute, but then goals from Darwin Jones and Vinicius put Orange County ahead. Iwasa levels in the 64th, and then Michael Orozco, of former U.S. men's national team fame, scores his first goal for Orange County, ends up being a humongous match winner in the 78th minute. That keeps Orange County in the hunt for the fifth seed, but more importantly, puts them firmly ahead of Sacramento in, uh, in a head-to-head setting for, uh, for the playoffs because they drew earlier in the season. So now Orange County three points ahead with one match remaining. Um... And I think Orange County hosts Fresno that last match. So they're in a really good spot to finish ahead of Sac Republic and all the teams chasing. So, you know, not that not that we are huge Orange County supporters here, but um, what they've done since, you know, where they were in, like, June to turn this thing around and they're looking like a top-five finish, not a bad season for them by any stretch of the imagination. No, no, not at all. And I mean, it it does seem, you know, a little unlikely um, that they'll be able to get that playoff match. I think Monarchs, you know, holds on to that spot or moves up even maybe. But um, I, I absolutely great turnaround from them. And, you know, I can't say I'm too surprised coming into the season. You know, this Orange County team, they are a good side, definitely one of the better ones in the West. And um, I, I think, you know, they're they're where they deserve to be, no doubt. So those are all the uh, big Western Conference matches. Um, Aaron, do you want to take us through the standings really quick? Yeah, so now clinched and heading to the playoffs, obviously Phoenix Rising uh, in first position with 75 points, followed by Reno and Fresno sitting at 57 points. Reno with an edge based on, uh, uh, based on tiebreakers. Real Monarchs at 52 points. In fourth position, but with two games still remaining uh, to many of the other teams, one game. Orange County, 33 games played, 51 points. Sacramento, 
uh, with 48 points behind them in sixth position. Uh, following the folks who have not yet clinched, still in the playoff hunt, Austin Bold and El Paso Locomotive, both sitting at 47 points and 32 games played. Then LA Galaxy 2 and San Antonio with 33 games played and 45 and 44 points respectively. Uh, you know, do you want to live in a world where LA Galaxy makes the playoffs and, you, and New Mexico United does not? Uh, that's a good question for all of us. Uh, just below the playoff line, New Mexico United sitting in 11th place with two games still remaining in the season. Uh, and Las Vegas lights behind them with 41 points um, in 12th position. Portland Timber still in the mix as well. Uh, at 13 points at the beginning of the podcast, or, I mean 13th place at the beginning of the podcast and 14th place right Right now, because of the start of the OKC Energy match, uh, Energy, Rio Grande, Tulsa Roughnecks, Tacoma Defiance, and Colorado Springs, all not worth, worth talking about because they have been officially eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts on how things shake out here? It's looking, it's starting to look more clear that, um, well, at the top between Reno and Fresno, it's anyone's game. Reno goes into an away match at Tulsa. Fresno has to play at Orange County. So that would actually be a big win for Reno getting into that second spot. And that's that would be my guess on how it shakes out, especially with one more win in Fresno. If they end on the same number of points, Reno would get the second seed. It looks like Real Monarchs with the win yesterday. They're in a great spot to get the fourth seed. They have one more win than Orange County and one match in hand. So in any in the tiebreaker situation, they would probably get the fourth seed, um, especially with that head-to-head 2-0 win. Um, beyond that, it gets really murky. Sac Republic has 33 matches played in 48 points. Bold and Locomotive are both on 47 points with 32 matches played. So those 6-8 spots are very much up in the air. And that's a very significant distinction because... Sixth place, you don't have to play the extra match with these play-in matches. Um, who do you think comes out of that that six through eight group with the sixth spot? Kyle, go ahead. I mean, that's that's really really tough because I mean, conventional wisdom wants to say you know Sacramento is able to grind it out, but I mean these other two teams below them with a the match in hand. Um, the one team, I mean, for me, I almost think that it could be El Paso. Just, you know, they play Portland at home midweek, and then they play L.A. on the road. Um, Austin plays both at uh, Salt, or, or Real Monarchs um, on Wednesday, I believe, and then Tacoma, at Tacoma on Saturday. So, I mean, for them, two road matches to close out the season. Three, actually, because they played uh, at El Paso. Uh, midweek as well. I mean, f- for them, it's it's going to be really really tough to uh, to get those you know points on the road. Um, so I could almost see El Paso, you know, moving up past Sacramento. But I mean, they've drawn their past two matches. They've been difficult games for them. It's it's really you know going to be interesting. I think if if they're able to uh, to pull it off, I, I I mean, really I think Austin doesn't have much of a chance. But I think El Paso could do it. Aaron, agree, disagree? Yeah, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, well, Austin and El Paso, both with two games remaining, 
Um, kind of seeing what that last push is, I, I got to imagine that they're going to be able to uh, um, to pull this off. And that leaves the last two slots open for whether it's going to be Galaxy, San Antonio, New Mexico, um, even Portland maybe. I'm not even. I'm not going to put lights in there because I think if one, um, dude, Portland's done. They only have 38 points. They're three points behind lights. Yeah, with with two games in hand. Even if they win but, those but games, then they're on the road, same they're number better, as New Mexico. They're a better team, and I will not admit that Las Vegas has a chance. Damn it. <laughs> Timbers two. But, but, Timbers two is done though. Is, no, I they know. Play, I, yeah. They play at El Paso on Tuesday, and then on Friday night they play at RGV, where teams go to die. They have no chance. They're done. Yeah, I mean you're right on. If El Paso wins, then they're then they're finished and they're they're absolutely done. Um, and Tacoma has a chance to screw up both. Yep. Tacoma has the yeah, chance to screw yeah. up to both uh, New Mexico and Austin. Um, Which would just be great. And I think that's that's. <laughs> it, it's gonna be awesome. It's so fun that you know, like I said, we we don't really have to worry about these results, you know, affecting or hurting us in any way. But I mean, there's so much to play for, so much parity that's possible. I mean, it's it's gonna be great. I'm gonna have my eyes glued, you know, to ESPN Plus over this next week. You know, something something a small criticism. Maybe USL can look into this next year. Something that's gonna impact the final standings is these matches not being played at the same time. Um, Sacramento plays at Real Monarchs at 12 p.m. on Saturday to close out the season. Um, whereas El, po- El Paso doesn't play at Los Dos until 7.30 that night. You know, El- if El Paso beats Timbers 2 and Sacramento doesn't win at Monarchs, El Paso could already be set with number 6. And then they could, you know, bench a bunch of guys and that could really help out Los Dos. They're... I think... Isn't, it, isn't there... A rule in some tournament where where the decision game is all played at the same time amongst everybody. Well, Am that's I thinking how, that's how MLS. No, that's decision day. That's how MLS and most of the it. European yep. leagues are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I mean, really, that's how it should be. You know, because I mean, and you know, we don't deal with it as much here, but worldwide, you know, you deal with match fixing depending on under other results and all this stuff. Um, but it is fun to see. I mean, MLS had it a couple weeks ago with their decision day. And while there wasn't too much in play at the time, just being able to, you know, watch games and know that there's results depending on one another, it definitely puts a little more, uh, you know, a little more oomph in the game. I just don't see any reason why they couldn't put all the, uh, all the Eastern conference matches, start all those matches at like three thirty uh, Pacific time. So like six thirty, six thirty Eastern time. There, then, there's there's only one Tyler Terrence and Devin Kerr and all these other guys. <laughs> hey, there's they only be, have like hey, eight announcers for listen, the whole league. Listen, listen to my proposal, man. Then there's a thirty <laughs> minute break between the matches, and then all the Western Conference ones fire off at six o'clock our time, nine o'clock Eastern, so they can go chug their gallon of water in between. It's fine. <laughs> If they have nine broadcasting teams, it can be done. Dom's got a point. And, I mean, we want to be the best second division. If you need someone (laughs) to fill in on that Timbers 2 RGV match, just give me a call. 
<laughs> there we go. Yeah, I mean nobody's gonna be listening anyway. I think yeah, I think right, they should. Yeah. I feel like I feel like every team for one match in the year should just let one fan be part of the broadcast crew, especially if it's a match that like doesn't matter at all. I mean, why not? I think some of the fans would do as good of a job as, you know, some of the guys we get occasionally. It's, I mean, you hear the calls sometimes and they're, you know, misnaming players who are on the sheet in front of them. It's, uh, at least we know our team. Wakaso! <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dear. Aji Neja. Or Fleming. Oh, <laughs> Just make just make USL Fan Week the week where fans get to broadcast all the matches. That can't go wrong. I, I no, no, no. There's no FEC fine there. Yeah, just need to have that bleep button ready. Oh man. All right, I think I think we can wrap this thing up pretty quick. Um, I would agree with Kyle. I think El Paso is going to get the sixth seed out of that bunch. And then when you go down to the bottom. Conventional wisdom says San Antonio is going to beat Colorado Springs and punch a spot. I don't think conventional wisdom necessarily says New Mexico makes it over Los Dos. Because right now, um, New Mexico is one win behind. They have the same max points. Los Dos is a little behind them in goal differential, and the head-to-head they both drew. Both matches were draws. And Los Dos had more goals in their away draw. I don't know if that matters at all. Probably doesn't. But Los Dos, especially with the timing thing, El Paso might have their fate secured already. They might not need to try that hard against Los Dos in that last match. They might be locked in the sixth seed. That could help them out. Maybe it plays no no difference, but I'm going to yeah, say it. Yeah, and that's a great point. I think if it, if it comes down to that, it, I mean, it's, it's very, very... I'm going to go on the record. I think everyone has been assuming that Los Dos falls out and New Mexico gets in. I think San Antonio and Los Dos make the playoffs. I think New Mexico will miss it. You heard it here first. I, I mean, you know, in, in some cases, um, you hate to see bad things happen to good people. And uh, then you'd just love to see that happen in New Mexico. So, yeah, sure. I mean, if you can only get one point from those last two matches, why should you feel confident about um, about Vegas Lights and, and a sneaky good Tacoma team? I mean, on paper, those are good, but so were the last ones. And look at how that turned out. So I'm going to say they miss. How do you guys think it shakes out? You know, I'd love to see Galaxy make it, just because um, that it's it's a little bit tougher for them. Um, I'm gonna say we're gonna f- finish with uh, um, Austin, El Paso, L.A., and New Mexico. Whoa! So you have San Antonio missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with only one game remaining, I. I'm not as confident with with their chance there. So you think everyone could win out, and then even if San Antonio wins, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> that yeah, I think that that's more likely. I mean, obviously they're playing Colorado Spring Switchbacks. That should that's a that should be three points. Uh, they should be able to get to 47. But you got 
two teams already at 47. They got to get one point in the next two matches. Um, I think, you know, Galaxy, just because I think that, you know, they've had some, I, I think it would be good for them. They, they have some good talent on their roster. I, I think we crap on them because they're a two team and they're annoying as hell. But, you know, I, I think it would be an, in, I'm going for the more interesting, um, the more interesting result there. Huh. All right. Well, we will see how everything shakes out, and then we can do a pre playoff preview next week. Um, so definitely stay tuned for that. Any final thoughts this week, though? Because we've been running quite a while. Um. I mean, for me, I, I think you know, we're none of the fans are going to be happy with this result. Um. But you know, this this is one of those matches that unfortunately it has to happen at some point. Um. We've talked about it. Our luck really has caught up to us, our lack of luck now. Things are not bouncing, you know, our way consistently. But I think this team's, you know, strong enough to overcome that. We're going to see a great effort next week. And, it, you know, it's it's just it's going to be a precursor to, to playoffs and what's to come. Um, I mean, you just have to be excited right now if you're around this team. We just spent, I mean, 30 minutes talking about all these other teams and the possibilities of who's getting what in playoffs and not even having to play in that first week. I mean, Phoenix doesn't have any of these concerns, any of these worries. Um, all we're focused on right now is being our best. And then that's a luxury that, you know, we have to revel in, but we also know that there's there's still a lot of work to be done because uh, this team's not going to stop till they bring home a cup. Yeah, I think the loss of our first, you know, our, our goal was what? Um win the regular season, win the Western Conference, win the Four Corners, win the championship. Well, I think the fact that we that we did not bring home the Four Corners Cup has a chance to light a little bit of a fire under these guys and, and uh, to be able to come out in this last match and have a chance uh, to, to at least go three for four, I think it's going to be really worth it for them, uh, and I think that they're going to be fighting. Yeah, I think it'll be a big celebration. Um you know, things haven't gone. I think things have been tough for a lot of the last couple of months. There hasn't been a match where we just really just kicked the crap out of a team in some time. And I think this will be the week that we do it. An OKC team that's dead. They have nothing to play for. Coming on the road. Dollar beer night. It all points our way. It all points to it being our day. And so, you know, if I'm a, if I'm, a supporter, I'm getting there early, I'm getting loud, really soak it in, I make it miserable for OKC, uh, make fun of Lorandi for his hair, <laughs> just go all in, let's get that supporter's, uh, that all-time record. And with that, I think we're done. So, uprising. Uprising. Thanks, everybody, uprising. The Rising is One podcast is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Rising is One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. 
Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USS.